welcome to the Spirit Truth Worship Podcast, where we talk about leading your church and leading your team in biblically formed worship. Welcome to the Spirit Truth Worship Podcast. My name is Dalton Schaefer, and Spirit Truth is all about helping you lead your church and lead your team in biblically formed worship in spirit and truth. Today, I got to sit down with a friend of mine, John Azzarello, as we talked about developing a culture of worship and discipleship from scratch. I hope that you enjoy the conversation. Cool. So this is official. This is official business, man. Um, okay. Getting recorded. Um, so just all, you know. I, I don't necessarily have an agenda for this time. Um, I loved what I was hearing from you guys with Mercy Hill and then, you know, figuring out you guys were a church plant. Um, I just think that's a really unique uh, place to lead. And it hasn't been very long. I mean, that's a pretty short amount of time to go from yeah. 30 people being sent out from the Summit Church all the way to this, you know, four campuses, multi-site. And so I would love to just kind of talk about that. I would love to hear – and. Not, yeah, I know you already shared kind of before we started, but if you want to share just a little bit again, uh, just about how you kind of got connected with him and how you ended up at Mercy Hill. Yeah. So um, about, I guess it was eight years ago, eight-ish years ago, um, my wife and I were, you know, we had recently just moved back to the area from Las Vegas, actually, where we were working at a church. And um, man, I was looking for a church. I was looking for a job at the same time. And we were checking out a couple of different churches. I was sort of gig leading worship at a couple of churches. And, you know, one week um, I came to lead worship at the church and the guy was like, hey, man, just wanted to let you know uh, we have a guest pastor today. He's actually a church planner and he's coming from the summit in Raleigh, which is J.D. Greer's church. And I'm like, super cool, man. Who's J.D. Greer? <laughs> and uh but, you know, he, he came and um, I watched Andrew, who's our lead pastor, I watched him preach and listened to him preach that day. And I went home and I told my wife, I was like, hey, I was like, this church is coming. There's like 30 of them coming from Raleigh with young families. This is the life stage we're at. We're looking for community. I said, this sounds like something we should just be a part of. Let's go check it out. And so we did. We joined. Um, I was telling you before, we, we went to one of the pre-launch meetings and kind of felt super out of place because this was all of the launch team they were sort of like in like serve mode and like we're the army you know and here i am I'm like a consumer i'm just like here to check it out but i was like being handed like you know hey here's stuff you, you're gonna need for when we have launch sunday and i'm just like what are what are we here for you know but um anyways yeah so then we went to uh man we went to the launch and um i will say that's the cool thing about a church plant man is that like we right out of the gate we were sort of treated like an army we weren't just treated like consumers like in a good way i mean we were respected and, and all of that stuff but like we we're we felt super welcome but we also felt like right away we were like hey we're here to serve like we're here to like bring signs of the kingdom you know like let's let's go and let's jump on and so yeah man our first sunday was that launch 2012 in september and um just been there ever since and um for, we're, we're four campuses big now. It's it's kind of hard to tell exactly how many we're running because it's COVID season. So you know, just like who who's even at our church anymore? But uh, but yeah, man, it's been a wild ride, but it's been awesome. Yeah, man, I love that. Love hearing your story. Um, can you tell a little bit about what it was like uh, coming on staff 
at a church plant? And so did you start, that's a question. Did you start full-time staff or were you kind of bivocational or how did, how did that work? Yeah. So like I said, I was looking for a job and, um, I went, so I went to lunch with Andrew, the lead pastor. And I said, Hey man, I said, I'm just going to be honest with you. I want to be, I want to be on staff. I want to like be the, you know, worship leader. They were looking for one. They didn't have one. And, um, he just kind of told me like point blank. He's like, man, I'd love for you to lead worship with us, but, uh, I probably can't pay you anything. And I was just kind of like, Oh man, that is not what I wanted to hear. Like I, I was looking for a job. I mean, let's face it, you know? And, uh, but I think what he did, man, was really valuable because he, you know, he wanted to know that I was going to be there because I wanted to be there and he wasn't quite ready to hand the keys over to a stranger. But, um, man, about two weeks late or uh, two months later, um, he was like, Hey, why don't you lead a couple of weeks in November? Just kind of see how it goes. You know, he'd never seen me lead. So, um, I led and, um, he took me to lunch again and was just like, Hey, listen, He's like, man, we just think that uh, last week when you led, it was just like one of the best, one of the sweetest times of worship we've had. Why don't you just keep doing it indefinitely? So I was doing it kind of like on an honorarium base, you know, Um, for like two years. Um, I worked a full-time job. I had four kids. I had, I was working like 55, 60 hours a week. And um, I only did it because I loved it, to be honest. It, It was, it was challenging at times. Um, but you know, we got through it and, you know, I think 2015 was around the time that I finally came on full time and, um, yeah, man, it's just been, that's great. No. Yeah. That's great, man. So during that time, uh, what did the team look like when you got there in terms of volunteers, uh, worship team, tech team, how did you see it grow over those uh, few years, uh, when you, you know, before you were full-time staff? And then what does that look like to this day? Like, how have you seen it grow? And then tell me maybe even a little bit about when you guys started launching campuses. But what did the team look like when you started? And how have you seen that team change and grow over the last few years? Um, So when we first started, it was mainly my wife plays piano. Um, I play acoustic and sing. So there was some weeks where that was it, man. We we just kind of did it. And then um, there was two other vocalists there who sang like harmony vocals. I had a drummer, I had a bass player, and then sometimes we'd have an electric player and sometimes we wouldn't have, you know, any of those things. So um, they used, pretty much they started with like having a cajon and they would bring in like guest worship leaders from the Summit Church before I started. And then after, I guess kind of what I inherited was just like half of a band. And so, um, man, people would come up to us every once in a while and just be like, hey, I play, you know, this instrument or I play that instrument. And so I would just be like, Hey, come to practice, (laughs) you know, no audition needed. We need you. So just come and practice. And of course that's not, I would not recommend that model, but it worked, you know, I mean, it worked for us and, uh, we, we had different challenges. I mean, there was times where we, we would have a full band planned and then something would fall through. Um, so then we kind of like got on board with like the whole, like, well, hey, if we start playing with multi-tracks, then we could sort of fill in the gaps, you know, and fake everybody out, right? And um, we did that for a while, but ultimately we just tried to be creative with it. If we didn't have a drummer, we'd do an acoustic set. Um, and honestly, I think, you know, the the bigger challenge was that, um, was was like, I felt like I had to have control. I felt like I, I was the only one who could lead because I, I knew that I could lead. 
And, you know, I knew I needed to raise up leaders, but I didn't really know how to do that um, without me just literally stepping down and letting somebody else take my spot. And honestly, that's kind of how I had to do it the first time. I, I led I led every single week for like two years. I mean, even when my wife had twins on like a Friday, I was there on Sunday morning just leading and it was crazy, man. Um, one time that one night I had, uh, it was actually like right after Christmas time because it was a, we had a staff Christmas party and I got laryngitis. Like I felt it coming on at that party and I was like, I would go to talk and only air would come out. And so I had a background vocalist and I finally was just like, hey dude, I know it's Saturday night, but I need you to lead for me tomorrow. I have zero voice. And so he stepped up and he just killed it, man. And then I just realized I was like, Every, every challenge would be because we would sort of plateau and what we would need would, we would need to sort of raise our capacity. We'd need to be able to just sort of like create space to let new people, you know, uh, lead and, and play who maybe weren't going to be quite on par, you know, where we wanted them to be, but knowing that they could get to the, get to that point. And man, almost every single time they would rise up to it. So those were the challenges it was it was always like look at first just like man is it okay that we're going to be putting somebody new in and of course we've learned and grown in, in how we do that now now we have like a almost kind of like a little farm system where we can do that that's not on a sunday service you know but um yeah man it's it's been cool to see it just take off and honestly be surpassed it's humbling to be surpassed by so many amazing incredible worship leaders and um, musicians but um it's it's really cool to be part of something like that too you know dude that's so good man i love hearing you talking about raising up leaders i have a couple follow-up questions for that one uh especially in this season you said earlier we're in covid season it's a weird time i know for me i've lost on my volunteer team from a variety like a variety of reasons i've lost a drummer a bass player a key mm. player an acoustic guitar player two electric players some singers like i have i've like turned over an entire band and a half um, and there have been some weeks where we've had to go, you know what, we're doing an acoustic set and we're a little bit more of an established, my campus of our church is 14 years old. So it's not super old, but it's not super new either. We have some great musicians. Um, but if there's a worship leader watching this, who's like, man, I really don't want to do an acoustic set. Do you have any encouragement that acoustic sets aren't lesser? It's actually an opportunity, like you said, to be creative and lead your people. Absolutely. Man, I so I, I was of the same mindset too that a, an acoustic set was somehow less of an experience. Um, and what really inspired me <laughs> was um, I went to a Phil Wickham worship night where he did his acoustic sing-alongs. Yeah. Now we're not all Phil Wickham's, of course. So that's that, that's <laughs> Phil Wickham is Phil Wickham. But uh, I went to that and I was just like, it was him, his acoustic guitar, and he made that thing just sound like a band, and it was so. I don't know that I've ever experienced a night of worship like that before or since, you know, because it was just so incredible. And it wasn't about, it wasn't just about the fact that he could destroy his guitar playing or, or sing, you know, like a limitless range. It wasn't just that. It was like, he was just such a good worship leader. He could just, he could take you on this journey and he would get you there and connect the words of this song to scripture to your heart and put you right there on that journey and man something as vulnerable and simple as an acoustic guitar honestly you can't achieve things certain things with an acoustic set 
that you would do with with a full band. You know, there's certain things. So I think, you know, as long as you embrace the strengths of an acoustic set, you can do every everything that you would want to accomplish in terms of leading a full band set. I mean, I, I've seen people lead, I'm sure you have to lead acoustic sets in a, you know, in a massive venue like a Coliseum and it, it works, it just works. And so, yeah, man, it's, if you can be creative with what you have, you don't have to make your band look like the band at the church next door. You know, it's use, use what you've got and, and capitalize on their strengths. Absolutely. Yeah, man. I, I heard Bob Coughlin say this recently in a podcast I was listening to that uh, so often we can treat music like a second mediator, like Jesus isn't enough. Mm. Uh, so an acoustic set's not enough because Jesus isn't enough. Therefore, we need a full band to actually get us into the presence of God. Right, uh, right. That's not the case. That's not the mm. gospel. Jesus is enough. You don't exactly. need any instruments. Uh, praise God we have them and the Lord uses them. Um, but if all you have is an acoustic guitar and one voice, um, or no voice and you got a backup singer with a voice like that's enough to meet with God because Jesus has made a way for us to meet with God through the and so I think that's so good man um, I also want to follow up and ask uh, you were kind of talking you kind of have like a a process now for building up training more leaders can you just tell us a little bit about what that looks like for your church yeah I mean man everything from onboarding new people with like an audition process all the way to like trying to raise up leaders to send out you know um, we talked about church planning and how how integral that is to who we are as a church. And like we are a church planning church and, and that's just we want to we literally say like, man, we exist to like raise up leaders and to send them out to to make disciples and multiply churches as our church's mission statement. So in every ministry for us, you know, it's like, man, we're not just trying to get people onto the team. We're getting people onto the team and immediately getting those people to turn around and raise someone up behind them. And so our process looks like um, we call it. So, you know, a lot of churches have kind of like an onboarding, like an, an audition process. And then there's kind of like a training period. Um, we call we call that essentials. I know um, like Church of the Highlands is a massive church, you know, and they're, they're like 30 church of 30,000. I think they they call theirs cultivate. Um, and so for us, it's just like, man, we want people to people who have the raw talent. They've already auditioned. We want them to be able to have all of the tools and just have a really good runway so that when they get to Sunday, they're not asking really any questions. They're just like, man, I've already done this. Yeah. So we have, uh, it's like after Thursday night band practice for us, we have all of the people who have auditioned who have not yet officially made it onto the team. They come together, they form a band. And then I utilize our existing team members as coaches. Right. And they raise up people. And so I actually, we've been developing, um, it's it's just a leadership pipeline. I mean, that's what it is, man. We have, you know, team members and then we have coaches and then we have kind of the next step after that. And and it's really just like a set of tools that we're trying to move people along. It's, it's very, very systematic, you know, I mean, it's very organized. And it's like, man, we have teaching modules and trainings, everything for, you know, we kind of have like main categories for each level. So like, you know, theology, discipleship, musicianship and artistry, leadership. And we want to we want to give people this set of tools and then be able to raise up somebody else while they're working to the next level. And the ultimate goal of that is to get people who are like, hey, they could they could literally lead a worship ministry as a worship director so that when we're ready to have another church plant, we could just be like, hey, go with this church plant, go with them. That's that's what we're trying to do, man. That is totally what we're all about.
Dude, that's so good. Do y'all have any kind of like residency program or anything like that as well? Yeah, or is that we the- do. So we've always had like a church planting residency for like the lead church planner. Um, something that's really cool that we've actually partnered with um, Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Um, and we're, we partnered with them. And so we actually just started um, like a seminary program where it's like you actually get a master's degree for going through it. Um, and so mainly right now, it's just people going through the class for like church planting um, as like a lead planner. But um, we've, we've been in the works of like adding a worship wing to that as well for a while. So um, we've not had anybody go through the official residency, you know, for that uh, per se at this point. But um, man, we're like in the process. We're getting, we're, I'd say we're probably 70 to 80% there. Um, so yeah, man, it's, it's funny because just about every month, I mean, that's not even an exaggeration. I probably get um, a lead pastor or a worship pastor or somebody who will be, you know, somebody in the area who will send me an email or a text and be like, hey man, we're trying to hire somebody. We're trying to hire a worship leader or a worship pastor. You know, you got anybody. And, and same thing with like our new church plants. Whenever we're sending people out, um, the lead planner will always be like, hey man, who do you got that we could take with us as a worship leader? And man, I say this with total shame, but I would always go to the very bottom of my pipeline and be like, okay, who have we poured the least amount of resources into, the least amount of time? Because listen, I've got my worship staff, I've got my systems, I've got my my people. So like people who are talented, maybe they're in a, in a good life stage to go, they're younger, they're ready to go, but like I haven't invested too much in them. And I would ask them and without fail every single time they'd be like no i'm not ready to go i can't i'm not i've never even been thinking about that and um my missions director and i went to to lunch and we talked and he was just like maybe he's like man maybe if we raised people up and thought about it flip that on its head and be like who is at the very top and he told me he's like man you should be the first one to consider yourself to go every time we're getting ready to launch somebody you know uh, launch a new work you know so that kind of, uh, man, that just flipped everything on its head for me. And I was just like, man, we've got to be raising people up to send. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's totally our heart for sure. Dude, that's good. Um, I love I love to hear that. Uh, follow up to that. When you guys plant churches, I know you're a multi-site church. You have multiple campuses. Um, are y'all primarily planting new campuses of your church or autonomous churches or both? Yeah, both. Um, man, we, wanna, we want to do both um so right now like the last two church plants we've actually sent we've helped to plant 11 autonomous church like church plants not county campuses um the last two of those were totally like in-house like um we sent our church planner he was he was like he went through as an apprentice for our community groups and then he led a community group and then he went through our residency and then we sent him to tampa florida to, to plant a church with like I don't remember. I think it's 20, 20 ish people yeah. that we sent. And then the last one um, was Roanoke. And same thing. He was actually, the lead planner was actually part of our launch team um, from the yeah. summit here. So that's really a really cool full circle. But yeah, man. Very cool. What? Uh, tell me a little bit about your city. I, I'm just thinking if someone's listening to this and they're like, you know, man, I'm in a smaller town or are you in a, a big city somewhere? Or are you in a, you know, a suburb? Like, what's your city like? Yeah, so we are, cent- I mean, our main campus, uh, broadcast campus is in Greensboro. 
which is um, so the whole Piedmont Triad, Greensboro, Winston Salem, High Point, is like somewhere around a million, I think. Um, and honestly, that number is probably pretty outdated. I feel like I feel like every day it's just growing so much because it's massive. But um, Greensboro is the gate city. You know, it's it's got um, Interstate 40 just goes right through it. And so that was that was kind of a big reason why um, our lead, you know, planner decided on this location, honestly, because he knew we wanted to be ascending church. Um, so Greensboro, Winston-Salem are, are both pretty big cities. Um, I live kind of right. I live in Winston-Salem. I live kind of like right in between the two, though, um, in a suburb. So we have campuses and kind of in both, honestly. Yeah. Awesome, man. Um if you were given advice to a young worship leader who's thinking about taking on a, a new role and going, man, I don't have a team. What, what's your advice for them on how they, how they're to develop a team when they get there? Mm, yeah. I, if I had one thing, um, I would always be on the lookout, you know, shoulder tapping people, um, just getting, getting to know, Man, that's so hard. You you put me in such a small little box to say one thing, because <laughs> I feel like you know you as a as a worship pastor. I mean, you know, maybe this one thing might be different, um, pointing people to God's word and pointing people to just like really love the Lord in that way. But like in terms of growing a team, yeah. I would say like yeah, being on the lookout for new leaders and knowing that nobody is ever going to. You probably can relate to this. You're not going to meet a Phil Wickham. Or somebody who is like a that caliber of, of worship leader is not going to walk in your door. You're gonna you're gonna see like a young, you know, underdeveloped. I've heard Christian Stanfield tell his story before how he was just like this kid on on the worship team, and he was sort of apprenticing, you know, Chris Tomlin. And it's like nobody would have ever thought back then that that Christian Stanfield would be Christian Stanfield who he is now. And you know, just being able to have vision, being able to like go in knowing that like man, there's going to be people who come through your ministry who have so much potential. Um, they just need guidance. They need direction. They need to be equipped. And then they need to, they need an opportunity to be empowered, to actually lead. And sometimes, sometimes we're just like, man, I got nobody, you know, like so-and-so, yeah, they can noodle on a guitar, but it's like, they're not, they're not there yet. But maybe it's just a little bit of investing, a little bit of encouraging, pointing them to the right resources and having some vision, having some patience. Um, but yeah, man, I guess if you could sum all of that into one thing, it would just be like, you know, be on the lookout for raising up new people and, and having, you know, having patience and balancing that with like, just trusting like, man, they'll get there, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, that's, that's super good. Um, now I want to shift the conversation just a little bit with, you know, seeing, you know, where you started, how you grown the team, how has theology been a been a part of your leadership you know what's the role of theology in your personal worship leader i've heard different people uh talk about this i was in a conversation once where i heard someone say like hey man when you're hiring a head worship leader you're not hiring a theologian and i and i was like actually <laughs> you kind of are and so you know what what's your take on that i know we didn't even talk about this before so <laughs> this is a this could be a hot take you know what's your take on theology and the worship leader yeah man you're right it's so important i mean whether or not your your internally your church organization sees it this way, the church sees the lead pastor and then they see the worship leader, and sort of in that order. And 
um, man, the, you know, the pastor, whatever church you're at, I mean, they're going to have anywhere from 30 to 40 to maybe if, you know, you got John Piper talking maybe 50 minutes and somebody, you know, they're going to have that much influence. Well, a worship leader is going to have like 20, 30 minutes influence, again, depending on what church you're at. And that's a lot of influence um, for them to be given over without any kind of training. So, I mean, you know, you ask the importance about theology. I mean, theology is truth. You know, it's about how we view God and how people view God. And I think that um, that is kind of paramount. You know, it's, it's, it's really important. Everything from, you know, picking songs to what you say in between the songs and honestly just anything and everything in between that so yeah it's it's important i i don't think that you have to have somebody who is a um necessarily a theologian you know like man they've got their masters in divinity you know in, in theology um to in order to lead worship but i think that um the amount that of 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 rain that you're willing to give them should depend on that trust and and knowing what their knowledge of theology is. I, I definitely think that. So, you know, there's people who are younger on our worship team and maybe every once in a while, you know, maybe they're leading and they're just getting started and they'll say something and it's kind of like, well, that was a little bit of, of a heresy you just said, you know. <laughs> and and every once in a while, like when that happens, we're not going to be like, oh my gosh, we have to make a public apology to the church. You know, it's like, man, that happens. It's okay. You know, people understand. but if people are sort of driving at the same uh, heretical nail, you know, it's like, okay, hey, let me pull you aside. I could remember a time when Andrew pulled me aside um, and, you know, I was using an illustration about um, rain in the Bible. And I was using it, of course, in, in the context of the passage, it was talking about God was blessing the people by sending rain for their crops and their harvest. And I was using it as like, you know, it rains on, it rains on everybody. It's, it's, it's like a, a bad thing. And I was just completely taking it out of context. And I remember, um, you know, Andrew just kind of pulled me aside and he's like, hey man, you know, like, it's okay, but I, I just want you to like, it's okay that that happened, but I just want you to understand theologically that like, you know, this is actually what this means. And it was a moment like that that got me to think, you know what, I probably should like, I should be doing a little bit more diligent in the theology end of things because it's a, it was important enough for the pastor to pull me aside in between services, and and it absolutely is, you know. And so that was helpful for me, and even just to see the importance of it, you know. And and of course, um, with time, you're going to be able to develop your own like calls to worship and your own worship leading style, and and you're going to use verses and you're going to say different things, um, and and that just shapes the way that people view God and how they view their life from the perspective of like, you know, how, how does it relate with the gospel and all of that? So it's just so important, man, all of it. Yeah, I love that. We uh, we do a pre-service worship and prayer time uh, before both of our Sunday morning services. And in order to help train up other leaders, I have a couple of interns that I've started giving over that then. So it's like, hey, you're gonna lead worship and lead the prayer time for our worship team. We kind of, we always say we wanna be worshipers uh, before we're worship leaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually take time to worship in the secret places before we worship in the public spaces, like in front mm-hmm. of everyone. Um, and given that over to my interns, man, it's, it's awesome to see them grow in their leadership. And, uh, but also you, you also hear them in their prayer times or maybe in their call to worship for that moment before they sing the song. Uh, you hear some stuff man, where you got to follow up and go like, 
man, dude, the Holy Spirit didn't die on the cross. <laughs> like you can't say that. <laughs> You're getting your yeah. verses of the Trinity mixed up. And, yeah. It's, it's just funny. Uh, we were all there at one point. I, I, uh, I can think of a few moments where I said some really silly things into a microphone on stage because I was young. I was 21, leading worship. And, uh, and man, I've been following Jesus for like six months and I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Uh-huh. And, uh, anyways, man, that, that's good stuff. If you had just one parting thought, uh, maybe a couple of thoughts for young worship leaders or maybe guys who have been leading for years, but they just feel like they're in a rut in their leadership. Um, you know, what would you say, especially in the season where I think burnout is at a, an all time high right now with COVID? What's some encouragement that you'd want to leave with someone who might be listening to this? Yeah, man, I would say um, get an accountability partner of some sort, a mentor, a peer, anybody, uh, somebody, and 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 set some goals. Somebody you can process through. Somebody you can, you know, read scripture. Honestly, I, I have a friend of mine. He lives in Charlotte, and um, one of the most valuable aspects of my personal walk is that I set him, I, I set, he and I, I guess, mutually consider each other like accountability partners. And um, man, on my own, I could get sort of, you know, I could think inwardly and I could just kind of get in a rut where like you're talking about spiritually, emotionally, it really in anything. Um, but if I've got somebody who I check in with on a regular basis and I'm just like, hey man, can you hold me accountable to these things? and um help you know help me to think about these things and somebody who's who you trust who could speak truth into you um man there's nothing that can compare to that nothing so i think it's so valuable so good well man thanks again for your time uh why don't you share just as we close uh a little bit more about your church how we can follow like if someone wants to follow you on instagram or social media and about the worship music that you guys put out yeah so Mercy Hill Church, dot, or I think it's Mercy Hill, gosh, I don't even know. You put me on the spot with the um, Instagram thing. I think it's Mercy Hill NC now. It used to be GSO um, is our church's page. But um, man, like most churches right now, you know, we're, we're putting everything online, um, which has been a cool, you know, s- sort of byproduct of this season is, is to get to see what other churches are doing, um, churches that maybe weren't even putting their stuff out before. So um man we're putting sermons out we're putting our you know our our worship services out um if you want to follow us on um instagram for our worship page it's mercy hill worship and you know we recently we recently just released our um full-length album you know 12 songs and um that's that's on there it's on spotify apple music you know all of the places and um yeah man check that out and um, man, I want to thank you. Really appreciate you for, um, I, I came across the Spirit and Truth page and um, I was like, what is this? You know, because I'm actually just working through some of the training stuff we were talking about and getting to that point about like writing some things down about like, w- what does it mean to worship in Spirit and Truth? So when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And um, I started reading some of, you know, some of the posts that were on there. I was like, man, this is solid stuff. This is really, really good and really helpful um, for anybody, whether you're a brand new worship leader or you are just like a Christian <laughs> that's not in worship ministry at all, um, some of this stuff, man, is super helpful. So I wanted to thank you for that, and uh, thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, dude, thanks for 
thanks for being on here. Um, I'm thankful. I'm at a really great church that really encourages those kind of things. We even have a position paper on our church's website about spirit-led worship that our elders put together. And I mean, so it's it's really cool to be a part of churches that value those things and other worship leaders, meeting guys like you who care, are like-minded, equally yoked in, in the things of uh, leading worship and theology of the spirit. And so, man, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we'll, you know, stay connected and we'll do this again sometime. Absolutely. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening to the Spirit Truth Worship Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and also subscribe to the YouTube channel. And go ahead and give this podcast a rating in whatever podcast player you're listening to it in. And we'll catch you in the next episode. Thank you.